Welcome to Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast where we cover all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, stretching all the way to the end of time. Where even inside that void there, you might find yourself seeing so many different things that we've stored there, like, I don't know, maybe a coverage of the Mission Impossible series, maybe some variants uh, of different Spider-Man like Tobey Maguire and eventually Andrew Garfield, maybe a definitive <laughs> ranking of all the movies and even some of the MCU daddies. Yes, I am talking about our Patreon, patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod. Uh, it's been going two months strong now. Thank you to everyone who's been supporting. If you are a big fan of the show and a big fan of us, definitely check us out. But we're actually here to talk once again, another episode of Loki. Uh, let's introduce the group panel already here. Super producer, Jay Christie, how are you doing, buddy? Um, that That's some of the most shameless plug I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> it just, it's really just like, yeah, I, you've just, it, it, I'm, I have nothing to say. I'm doing well, but that, that, that was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, taking the week off, uh, Anthony Canton III, uh, we hope you're enjoying your vacation. I'm sure this is an episode you would have loved to talk about. But we, we, we brought in a heavy hitter. Um, we brought in someone to uh, help fill in that void. Uh, he's been stuck in a time loop, I believe, this entire time, uh, being thrown through various glass windows in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But he's ready to talk, and we're ready to bring him back out. Howard Bryant, how are you doing, buddy? I am terrific. And you know what? If you can't shamelessly plug on your own pod... Where, where can you share? That is where true. Oh, no, that's absolutely true. It, I don't <laughs> mind it. It definitely was just like, because also before you got on, he said, don't worry, I got a way to transition to the Patreon. And I'm like, okay, let me see what you need to do. <laughs> and then the fact that he also, the fact he buried the lead, that he just was naming all the things we did. And then just like, oh my God, I cannot, he's going to do every single podcast we've recorded for. Yes. Yes. But, um, yeah. Um, you, you have plenty of thoughts. Uh, we, we haven't had you on, I think, yeah, this entire season so far. So I imagine you're nope. going to be catching up with us over here. Let's just get right into it. Let's catch you up. How have you felt about Loki so far? How have I felt? I felt like this has been, well, it's been really interesting because I think you do it in two, sort of two ways to think about it. One, you think about it as a series on its own, mm -hmm. even three ways, as a series on its own, how it connects Loki to the general MCU and his arc as a character. And then also in comparison to the other projects we've had with Winter Soldier and WandaVision. Completely. And so for me, I think that uh, after watching episode five yesterday, I was really stuck between sort of one and three, really thinking about it as uh, how it fits in, in some of these the Disney Plus streamers. And then also as, you know, as, as how it fits well, let me start you with three, just because it is like that. That's the one before we dive into the meat of like what's happening. Yeah. It feels like we can get off. How have you felt about the series comparatively to WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier? I'm going to go. It's it is very different. Uh, my son and mm -hmm. I have been watching it together. We watched every episode together um, and it's very dialogue heavy, extremely yep. dialogue heavy. This is not. Whereas Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was pretty much virtually all action. It was a pretty much an action streamer and WandaVision was really cerebral, but also had had a bit of, of charm to it. And then it sort of, it went toward the culmination of action at the end. This is very dialogue heavy. This mm -hmm. is a very, um, it's, it's as dense a series and you're starting to realize while watching it, it's very ambitious. And yeah. to the point where after five episodes, five of six, Normally, you would think by now you've had your home run episode. 
I'm not quite sure which one the home run episode is. I'm still thinking it's four. Okay. But I can't say for certain. I know where this is going. Now, I also heard that there is going to be a season two. And if there is going to be a right. season two, then that makes more sense that this doesn't quite reach where you need it to go yet. But I still have way more questions than answers. I think that's been the fun of this one. I think when it comes to the first two that we mentioned, we've talked about it a few times on the pod. Uh, you came into both of those series knowing what it needed to accomplish. None of us I mean, really. No, I don't know if that's true with WandaVision. Really? I don't. I, with WandaVision, I I wasn't sure what to expect. Okay. Um, at least I didn't feel like that was going to be a natural arc. Um, and I certainly didn't think, I mean, even if you thought about it from a Dr. Strange standpoint and where this was going to go tying it That's, into the- In, in terms the of the larger MCU, that makes, yeah, for sure. I think um, with WandaVision, we just knew the conceit of what the structure of it was going to be and this general story that we were going to go into. I think with Loki, we had quite honestly- No idea, 100%. No idea, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's- Start going into the plot. Let's start talking. I do just want to say for the record, out. just for, for it's pretty likely it'll be a season two, but it hasn't been announced. <laughs> I don't want people to think that they missed an announcement. Yes. It is, but I think right. that probably will be a season two, just based on um the fact that it hasn't been that they haven't said that there won't be, which is what they did with WandaVision and Falcon pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think because this character doesn't need to then be picked up in other movies, like with, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, they wouldn't make another season because they can just do a Captain America movie. And with WandaVision, they wouldn't do another season because they're just going to have another Doctor Strange movie. Loki yeah. is not really going to end up anywhere. Obviously, he could at some point, but he doesn't need to end up in another future. Project. I'm actually glad you mentioned it that way, just because uh, when we're talking about Howard's, I, I think it was number one in terms of how it fits within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Interestingly, it, it feels less where Loki goes in the Marvel Cinematic, Cinematic Universe as much as what Loki sets off. And That's what right. Loki... it's, where the, it's where the cinematic universe is going. Exactly. As opposed and... to him as a character. All right. And so from what you've gathered uh, in the first five episodes, how are you feeling about where this Marvel Cinematic Universe is going? It feels like it's going everywhere at this point. It feels like it's going everywhere. And what's really interesting about it for me, and it's going to be, I'm deciding how I'm, what I'm going to do to navigate this. It's mm -hmm. taking me into my least familiar, not really least familiar, but least favorite section okay. of the Marvel universe. I am, you know, it's like everybody likes their different types of jazz. You know, some people like, you know, West Coast jazz and people like New Orleans jazz. I'm sort of a New York small group Coltrane Miles guy, right? And when it comes to the, when it comes to Marvel comics, cosmic Marvel was never really my thing. I mean, okay. obviously, you went out there with the Fantastic Four. You went out there a little bit with X Men, but when you start going, and those Defenders, are tours. Those are that's not where they reside. Exactly, and those were exactly those were tours. But when you started going into like, you know, Celestials and Kang and Guardians, and you start going, and even Silver Surfer, you start going way out there and stuff with like, you know, the Watcher and the rest of it. I found myself as I gravitated, and I was out there a little bit because I was a big Thor fan when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So there was a little bit of that. But I found myself really resting in the neighborhood. I, I went from Spider-Man to Daredevil. Those were my two, like, tent posts. And so, or tent poles. And so, because of that, it's been a real challenge to see, okay, how much do I want to stay with some of these characters that didn't necessarily 
really hit me. Um, but Loki and, and, and the Asgardian piece of it does keep me centered into it, keeps me interested in it because that mm -hmm. is part that was familiar. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a real interesting challenge. And, and also I felt like there were two other things that I was really sort of interested in. One was how do you take Loki and how do you take essentially a villain and transform him into a protagonist because eventually the story of Loki is that Loki kills people. Right. So how do you take an entire series with a killer and make him a protagonist? Well, this is a pretty clever way to do it, to make him essentially chase different incarnations of himself. So yes. it really turns into a detective movie, right? It turns into a detective series. And it's also, you know, he's not necessarily a hero as much as he is sort of an anti-hero. So Very that's been so, an yeah. interesting sort of way to make you care about him without him sending the Jatari after innocent people, right? So <laughs> it's sort of like, how do you, how did you, how do you pull this off? The second issue that I'd had with it too was what was going to be, how were we going to handle the Tom Hiddleston shtick? Like Loki can only be yep. Loki for so long, right? Before that joke wears off. And what I mean by the joke, I mean how long can you deal with a character that essentially double crosses everybody? How long does he, that story? They've already hold been self-referential since the Dark World. Like it, it's That's been, right. you know Ragnarok, everything. Uh, the point at this at, the, at this point is just we all expect that to happen. That's right. Yeah. And how how long how long can you use that as a storyline mm -hmm. before you lose the story? It's almost like. It's, 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 it's very they similar smartly just throw that all out the wind or like they just lay it out to bear in that first well, episode of this yeah. series. I, I, but I also think it's because they they take it head on that kind of yep. part of his arc is and obviously he could change in episode six but it mm -hmm. seems like his arc is confronting what part of himself makes him do that as opposed right. to just and, yep. and so I think that and, and I think the fact you mentioned how he's a detective chasing down other versions of himself I think that that's a super clever way of speeding up someone's character development because he quite literally has to confront himself so he, exactly. he has to yes, see right. himself and other people. So it's like, yeah, is he developing a little quickly? Sure. But he sees how ridiculous he looks to other people. And that really will well, make I mean, let, let's him. let's actually talk about how he actually does confront some in this episode. Lo we start this uh, episode with Loki pruned, but not gone. Uh, he's in the void and he meets boastful kid, alligator and classic Loki. Mm -hmm. uh, just an amazing group as right. anything that we've come across. Alligator Loki is one of the best creations. Just, it just is so stupid. It's so it's, funny. You mm -hmm. know, like it, it, in a world that like has a Groot, how yes. we could still dive for like deeper and just go into, I mean, cause we still have a little bit of that shtick too, right? Where, you know, classic Loki understands Alligator Loki. Eventually other people, uh, other Lokis understand Alligator Loki, but um I mean, it's such a wonderfully ridiculous thing, especially when you start seeing the behind the scenes photo of like very, like they have just a stuffed blue stand in for all the alligators. They, I think they took a photo of that out their stuffed alligator sitting in a director's chair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really um, but it's, it's a great scene. And I think uh, what we do find there is like, yeah, he starts confronting them already. He finds out why each of them, uh, what their nexus events are. Um, I th think those are really fun. Alligator Loki uh, kills the, eats the wrong neighbor's cat, which is brilliant. Um, Kid Loki killing Thor, which I think killing is just Thor. that that's awesome. Boastful Loki 
claiming to have killed Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, but being that it's boastful Loki, I guess we could call it Cap. Yeah. Um, boom, 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 boom. Wow. And, Great and then classic Loki, I think, which is, again, this is our roundabout way for Loki to face his uh, himself because yeah. classic Loki basically goes through the entire timeline except creates such a strong projection that even the Mad Titan can't figure it out and then goes into a uh, life of solitude as, as he describes inanimate debris until eventually he finds that he misses his brother Thor. It's, and then yeah. the, the moment funny. that he's, oh, go ahead, Jake. Oh no, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, it's like the manifestation of what advice would you give yourself if you could talk to yourself in the past. Completely. And you know what? I, I'm even like bearing the lead there. Classic Loki <laughs> played by Richard E. Grant. Yes. Yeah, a huge flex by Marvel, honestly. <laughs> but huge flex. Um, I think it's such, like, I, I can't imagine that he's coming back past this episode, uh, but just what a brilliant um, casting and role in a short run. And and a nod to WandaVision, mm. where you essentially have the Halloween party all over again, where they get Completely, to wear the, yes. you know, the fan service, they put the classic costume on. And so I thought that was actually pretty funny as well, because you th there are so many different nods if you read the comics yeah and i heard i mean i looked at a uh you know uh easter egg article right before this recording and it's just it's so loaded in the void like there's totally. a thor there's a thor in the void there's a thor in the void there's a hammer sitting on the you know sitting there on the side of the hill mm -hmm. apparently we even see a yellow jacket in there yep. like a helmet it's just so um yeah it's <laughs> I, I think like everything that you've described, Howard, in terms of just how to handle the Loki of it all, uh, they gave you so many different ways in this episode. Well, to that's tackle right. it. And also from a storytelling standpoint, too, what I sort of was found what I was fascinated by was how do you how do you do this? Mm -hmm. And especially knowing full well, because we all know time travel falls apart. We yes. all know that, right, that you have to go into all time travel stories knowing it's going to fall apart. Things aren't going to make sense. And you spend some time watching the episodes and you're going, well, how's he supposed to know that? That hasn't happened yet. What I found as to be the most poignant part of this, which has been really interesting to me, was, was also having him learn early on how he dies. Yeah. Um, that that's not something, because they could have, from a storytelling standpoint, they could have said, let that be the great reveal by the end. Mm -hmm. right? It could have been like the Planet of the Apes ending or something where you look and you see the Statue of Liberty and he sees that Thanos, that no matter how many different ways the Loki show up, his fate lies with Thanos, right? Right. Um, that could have been a way to do it, but I like the fact that they dealt with it immediately. It feels also, like they tackled mm -hmm. every reveal that we have seen in the previous two series, like that we would expect in the fourth, fifth, sixth episode, they knocked it all out in the first two. Yeah, I was concerned watching episode five. I'm like, are we turning this into Loki love story? Um, that is something we talk about. I have, I have thoughts, but we can get Let's hear them. Okay. Let's hear them. Yeah. Okay, because there's been a lot of discussion. And, you know, you know me, uh, and especially because AC's not here. There's no, <laughs> the bit, like, the lifeguard's off duty. There's a discussion of, like, where is it on the, like, moral compass of falling in love with a version of yourself from another universe, right? Narcissism. Let's ask the question first. Um, like, it is narcissism in that case. Like, is that what we're led to believe 
that's going on now because it is yes, still ambiguous at the moment. You, I think, think that it, it we're is, going yes. that way. Yeah, I, the blanket thing I think is pretty explicit to me. You don't do that. I don't do that to my homies. Um, no, <laughs> no. Um, but I and, and I think that my the reason I bring it up is because I I think that people are maybe it's just because I'm a very much a nurture versus nature guy, but it's like, if she spent like life, her life is completely different from Loki's like, didn't grow up in Asgard from like age, like five, like, yes, she kind of is like him in a lot of ways, but also like they're pretty different characters. It's not like she's mm-hmm. just him. And, and honestly, and this maybe is why I like a lot of romantic comedies that are like problematic when you think about them. But it's like, if you put two charming actors next to each other and like have them be charming at each other, <laughs> I don't care if they're the same person, I'm going to be rooting for them to kiss. Like it's just, no, it's right. unfortunately, <laughs> Um, and yeah, and I think that like, when you just see them like together, it's just like intellectually like this is fucked up, but it's like, they're just two beautiful charismatic people. I absolutely want to see them get together, you know? Yeah. And there's that. And then there's also the fact that they're different, but they're also similar because let's not forget Loki was taken away from his original home. Yeah, it's true. Um, Honestly, but I would say a net win for him because that frost giant planet doesn't look too great. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Did you really want to grow up there? Right. Um, Yeah, I think especially in figuring out that part too because we've seen so many different variant Lokis, but I think the key that they're trying to show when it comes to variant is there specific qualities or characteristics of each Loki that remain consistent. And I think um, in the specific case of the Loki character, it's it is that solitude and um, it is the idea that quite possibly the only people that could understand them are themselves. themselves. Like I th- they're, they're pushing that forward quite a bit. I also like the fact that in, in both, I think in, in both WandaVision and in this, and to a lesser extent, Winter Soldier as well, they, they essentially turn the plot into a MacGuffin very quickly. Yes. Yep. That now the TVA and the timekeepers, they're not even the story anymore. Not at all. Right? I mean, that's really interesting. That's, that is very similar to what they did in Winter Soldier, where we thought we were chasing serum and then Zemo smashes the serum in episode four. Um, and so it's like everything that you think this story is going to be about, like you're going to have a classic arc of confrontation, they blow it up. And they did the same thing in, in WandaVision by immediately sort of neutering S.H.I.E.L.D. as part of this. And it suddenly became Wanda versus um, Agatha. And right. so that, that's that been consistent with these streamers as well, that you know what you think is is not going to be. And I, I, I think that's appropriate, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what they replace it with mm-hmm. because the timekeeper TVA story was actually pretty compelling. I was like, okay, what is this? And how do you maintain this as we tie it into uh, the upcoming movies? But now you don't have to. Now right. it's gone. I, I mean, um, well, let's talk a little bit about it because we do have some TVA that happens in this episode. So there is the standoff that happens between Sylvie and uh, Ravona Renslayer, played by who, Jake? Goo-goo! goo that's right. And uh, it... I do like that this scene takes no time to make it plain, painfully obvious that Ravona is full of shit and yeah. Sylvie doesn't buy it. And Sylvie immediately prunes herself uh, to get into the void as well to, again, find that, you know, 
Mobius is alive and kicking, which is a great relief for me as uh, yeah. Owen Wilson as Mobius has been really my standout uh, for the series as a whole as a new character. Oh, wow. And uh, we eventually group everyone together. I mean, the whole point in this episode is kind of to figure out what's really going on, right? They're in the void. They feel like the answer is in there. Um, the big uh, the big challenge you get by is Eliath, which is mm-hmm. this giant smoke uh, cloud smoke monster mm-hmm. smoke monster uh not galactus from fantastic four movies um <laughs> but uh yeah they're they're trying to figure out how to um handle Eliath. uh loki actually is first to make a move before he even knows his friends are back in the void as well and can i ask Eli- a can i ask a question can we talk a little bit about the scene with all the lokis where well that's where i'm getting to right oh, now okay. so before right, we even right, yeah, get sorry. to that yeah. As Loki makes his first venture out, he runs into one President Loki, President Loki yeah. and the various Lokis. And again, I, I kind of, this is again, one of those situations of a really fun way that actually caught me uh, off guard in handling the Loki problem. How do you handle the problem of a betraying Loki? Have every Loki betray each other yeah, simultaneously right. at the same time into a free-for-all battle royale oh, exactly it, it reminded me of the scene at the end of the departed i'm like okay well whose side <laughs> is everybody on they're all just shooting each other right it's yes, like are we yes nobody can be trusted mm-hmm, exactly which is why of course this scene also ends with james batchdale coming out and shooting looking head no but um <laughs> I, I thought that was a really fun scene because I think we talked about last episode about how the fighting in Loki has been kind of subpar. And I think that this was a really good way to do fighting for it because it was not about the fighting actually being good. It was about like the humor. And like, I thought it was very, very funny to watch Tom Hiddleston navigate all of these Lokis flying everywhere because it underscores, I think, a thing that both for comedy have and for- one of our most like gorgeous moments in alligator Loki biting off the head. Oh, right, yes. Uh, that I, yeah, that I think that having him on the side though underscores like oh, all of this double crossing is not just like not helpful for Loki. It's also really silly and really stupid mm-hmm. if you look at it. And he's kind of like, is this what is. I do? Is this what I look like to everyone? And I thought that and, was really and fun. also like shows the growth that has happened over the arc of this series, and that this Loki is clearly far and above ahead of the rest. Yeah, of them. It, it looks like exactly. It's like we're, are all these jokers me? Yes, and so. There's that. And then there's also the scene, the scene really did, especially with the, the set itself. Oh, yeah. It had a really 1966 Batman feel to it, didn't it? It really sort of looked like, yep. I was like, am I going like to see You were like, half Adam expecting West like Powell and Boffin ex- exactly. to kick in at that point. That's a good totally, point. Totally campy scene. Yeah. And I think if you just added more saturation to that scene and just not have mm-hmm. it as dim limit, uh, Mm-hmm. dimly and lit if uh richard yeah. e. grant didn't shave off his mustache and they just make up over it then it would yes perfect. yes exactly cesar romero style yeah. yeah it was wild and it was a um you know but it was also sort of a um an erasure of okay one watching him try to navigate that scene and tiptoeing around himself without mm-hmm. engaging in the fight he's like okay i'm just yeah. getting out of here i'm i don't know who to fight here i don't really want to fight any of you and there's something else out there that I'm looking for. This is not my fight. Yes. Um, I thought that that was sort of interesting. And it also hit me at some point, too. Because every Loki in that scene, besides our Tom Hiddleston Loki, not in costume, uh, like they were all Loki at the beginning of the series. That's exactly what Loki would aim to do. Take over yeah. whatever world he was in. Yeah. Yeah. 
And what I found interesting about that scene was, and also about this series, because I didn't love Loki's look. I'm like, why is he's he's looking like Joker? Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is a little much, and it's a little distracting. And I was thinking, are we going to get him in costume? And it feels I, like that piece of the game has been sacrificed. That they that they don't want him in costume. He's in right. a totally new universe or strange. I mean, if, if like that, that's kind of like. We had it with WandaVision that doesn't come until the final episode. So we still have right. that chance, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 I think that I, I hope that they have it in the final episode, but I think that personally, I didn't get the Joker fight stuff with it, but I think that that is a good call. Yeah. But I think I kind of like him just being in a suit, a shirt and tie for a lot of the stuff, particularly stuff in the TVA, because it also represents him as like strips it, stripped down. Well, yes, it, yeah. it strips him of his god, god of godliness, because yes. mm -hmm. that's not important ultimately. And I think that that's kind of like another thing that he's learned is like, oh, like especially when he sees other versions of Loki, he's like, wait, you're also the god of mischief. You're also the god of mischief. Right. If you guys are the god of mischief, then that doesn't mean that much. Um, <laughs> say a lot and me. yeah, but I, I hope that he does have a moment where he goes back in his uniform because I think that that is good. And I also think that that could represent something. Um, but it, I did like it would almost decision. be like his Mjolnir in that moment. Like he's earned back his godliness and his grandeur and everything that looks there. Yeah, if we get well, that. and that's the you, you were talking about the fight scenes in this series. I mean, one of the things that my son has been watching saying throughout each episode is, What are his powers? <laughs> you, you know, like, what can no, that's he a good do? question. What can he do? It's like very, it's, it's not very clear. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's never been clear exactly what Loki can do. It's just magic. Is and I they, think they the thing is, though, I think that what they imply by the end of this episode is that every Loki has the ability to do the things that other Lokis do if they try to, if that makes sense. If they try. Exactly. exactly. That, like, while Loki's thing is only, like, projection is his main magic, he has the capability of enchanting Enchantment. people. Yeah. In, the, in the same way that I imagine Sylvie also could... Uh, you know, project if she wants. Not obviously, it's not just as simple as trying. But I think the notion is that whatever, even though they all think they have their own individual power sets, they just they have like whatever manipulating time yep. and whatever it is. It's not, it's, that's still not clear. But I did think that was an interesting thing where it's like we. I mean, even have, with yeah. um, classic Loki showing not just the type of powers that you have, but like the actual sheer weight, like how much power you have, right? Yeah. Uh, presenting at the end there, but. Um, yeah, you know, the band is back together. Uh, we have Mobius, we have Sylvie, we have Loki ready to take on this uh, threat. Um, the plan here is Sylvie plans to enchant uh, Elioth and through that, uh, hopefully gain access or find their way to get their answer. And Howard, I'm going to jump to you again. Um, you said that you, you're familiar with, the, like, you know the comics, but... This was also the series where you felt that you're going in really not knowing what was going to happen. Are you in any place right now where you can even think about what to expect coming um, in the final episode? Or no, I'm just a popcorn watcher on this one, and I'm just going to yeah. I'm going to sort of play it out. And I think that the the key to it is: are your set pieces strong enough? Okay, right. Yeah, that's been to me. That's been this. That's the story of all movies and of all projects you want to do. Is it are your do you have the tent poles to make this thing compelling? And the question is going to be what they do with this Elias. And I like the fact that Sylvie said, well, it's just a guard dog. Right. Right. And so there's something to that, right? That gives it much more of a Lord of the Rings 
sort of feel to it that these, you know, almost like the, you know, Lord of the Rings or the Iliad or the Odyssey and those types of stories where you're overcoming these challenges to go to the next door. Right. Overcoming challenge. It's almost like boss level stuff, right? What's the next level? Right. And, um, and, and this one has a feel to that. I was surprised with the Sylvie character because she strikes me as very calculating, relatively ruthless. She's Loki and she's, she's, she's Loki with an, an, an even meaner streak. And I was surprised that she let the judge live. But we know right. that we know that Renslayer is also, you know, connected to Kang. So you yes. can't quite get rid of her either if you're going to tell this larger story. So I thought that was a slight miscalculation, simply that I don't think that that character would have let her live because she saw right through her. Right. Um, but the only reason that she did, I was thinking, was because we're turning this into a romance. Mm. It was more interesting. It was more important to her to find Loki than to kill, you know, to prune you know, Renslayer. So I was like, okay, let's see what they do with this. We can we say with the previous two, did either of the two, WandaVision or Cap in the winter, I'm sorry, Falcon and Winter Soldier, did either one of them stick the landing? Will no. this one stick the landing in no. six? I don't think either one of them did. Uh, no, no, I don't think either have a uh, Jake do. You... No, I was going to say, I think that I think I appreciate WandaVision, I think made a better effort, but had issues and didn't really work. And I think right. Falcon just completely miscalculated what sticking landing would look like. It seems yes. like they did everything on purpose and they didn't do it. Um, this I'm really fascinated by. And what I just wanted to talk about with the guard dog thing is, and I hate to reference this because I feel like every time a millennial references it, like a uh, librarian loses its wings, but it reminds me in the first Harry Potter book where like they find the three-headed dog and they're just, the thing they have to wonder is why would you have that anywhere? That means that whatever it's guarding is super, super important. And so right. by having like, oh, if this gigantic cloud that can devour a gigantic ship in one second is a guard dog, then Jesus Christ, that's gotta be something important. That's something, exactly. What yeah. is behind that door? And, and I liked the tease that there's time beyond time and that whatever you are, you know, and, and also the interesting thing too about the void is that they gave you, they gave you a reason why nobody escapes the void because nobody can beat alive. That's the reason because that thing eats everything. You never have a chance to leave. Right. So all the clearly, Lokis that are currently there, their whole goal is actually just to survive alive the whole that's time. That's right. Yeah. To stay alive. Yeah. And that is, you know, that sets up what the challenge is. That sets up the challenge of overcoming this ultimate challenge. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see what they what they do with it and how they how they do it. Right. Um, well, look, I actually want to tap a little bit into it just because um, we did have the episode on uh, Lamentus and their kind of climactic scene where they're trying to escape and get off the planet. And I think uh, the, those of us um, who were on that episode felt a little underwhelmed by yeah. how that sequence played out. Uh, I was a big fan of this one. I think um, in terms of everything playing out and then, of course, just seeing classic Loki project all of Asgard, uh, that entire moment That was there, awesome. That was that, awesome. That's, when you talk about set pieces, I think that especially with this for a TV show, even though obviously this is a bigger budget than any TV show did like two minutes ago, but mm -hmm. it still doesn't have a movie budget. And so I think you need to be very purposeful about your set pieces because you can't just 
do cool fighting and like i mean obviously if that's the whole thing but like you can't cgi your way into something interesting you have to have a good plan for it to start you know what i mean like you can't which felt like that's what it felt it has like to be in something unique that yeah. is happening it can't just be this is going to be a really cool fight it's like what happens in the fight that makes it really cool and so when you see asgard come up you're like it just as a they set it up so well by showing that it goes after the ship and mm-hmm. so you kind of have that in your mind and it is it's one of the classic things that makes any bit of storytelling great where it's like you it's you're surprised by it but it doesn't feel unearned that it's like oh of course they'd have to move it away by something bigger and mm-hmm. what is bigger than asgard um and then i just love and also you get to see too that even though he was with boastful loki and kid loki and alligator loki clearly classic loki ha- was much closer to our loki in terms of his temperament he wasn't as nihilistic as the others we- i don't think and i did like that he had that moment of redemption because you know um it, it just was, it, it, I wasn't surprised that he decided to come back and help. Whereas I think sometimes with the deus ex machina of a character coming back and helping our heroes, it's kind of like, really? He's going to come and help? Yeah, he wouldn't, he would never do that, right? But right. He, he would do that because all of, you're essentially saving yourself. You're not looking at somebody that you have contempt for. Right. And because- I mean, it, it does also link the theme of, at least the Loki theme throughout the character theme of glorious purpose. He found his glorious yeah. purpose in that moment. Well, oh, that's right. And and also, I sort of think that when you, and you also need to do something, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is the other piece of this is that those characters weren't simply there for comic relief. They had to have something that gave them some import, right? You you All of your characters have to have some moment where you prove your worth, right? That's part of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And he really didn't get a chance to do that. And you don't waste a character like that. You don't waste an actor like that without yeah. giving them some purpose, some import, some some moment where you get to you get to leave the stage with you know with with a moment with with some sort of grace. Um, we had all talked about whether or not Mobius was dead or where he was or not, and that yeah. was that was you know him driving the pizza delivery truck. <laughs> Uh, car rather was was very funny and it was it was I was trying to decide I had a bit of a Black Panther moment watching that scene where it's like okay well which plot device do I find more compelling did you choose the right plot device like in Black Panther the question for me was was the idea oh, I'm sorry let's put it this way the idea of Killmonger having a set, a cell, a worldwide cell of usurpers and insurgents was way more compelling than this mono mono nonsense between Killmonger and Panther right. and, you know, on Wakanda for the throne. I'm like, that's not even anywhere near as cool as this. That's the real threat. That makes this movie dangerous. For this one to decide to go into the void and to have the void and Eliath and all that, is that a more compelling story than settling up this TVA story. So I'm wondering if they have sacrificed one or the other or if they can tie up both loose ends. But I feel like it's gonna be tied up. I, yeah, I, I think that they're gonna have, so I think whoever's, I mean, I think that everyone's saying Kang, Kang, Kang over and over again. Sure. Kang is in that gigantic palace or whatever that they find at the end. And I think that he's the one behind the TVA generally, or whoever's there is the one behind the TVA generally. And so I think they'll probably dovetail together. Um, but I, if not I do, behind at least the person who is now in control of it. Yes, and, and, but I think that it is a was a good choice for them to have Mobius go back because then we have a 
person to go to cut to to see what is going on there. Um, even if it's only periodically in the final episode, that it's this isn't all going to take place in the void. That we can see whatever, and if the, if there are ripple effects from what happens in the void to the TVA, um, yeah, I think it's it's nice to have. People and I, I think places. they do plant some connectivity at the beginning with all the scenes with Miss Minutes, right? Like there is a mystery that goes on between there, and it all links back to either the beginning of time or at the end of time, and that at least we know for the end of time that exists in the void. Yeah. Um, and that the TVA is not real. Yes, exactly. that's the other thing because during the you know during the episodes, my son would be like, "Well, if this is 2012, where was the TVA? And you know, how does the TVA fit with the Doctor Strange characters? And you know, and Tilda Swinton and Endgame and the whole thing? You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. There's no nod to any of what took place in Endgame." Mm-hmm. And well, no, they so, there actually is. They say that that was supposed to happen. Is what uh, yeah, that was supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but your point is right that it doesn't jive with what uh, Tilda Swinton says. I, I'm gonna call her that because the ancient one just calling her the ancient <laughs> one just doesn't feel great. But uh, that, and, and I think that that is honestly just much more interesting than. I'm always really resistant to stories where it's like there is only one fate that will always happen because it's like then yeah. why am I watching this if it's already written? You know, like it's not if these characters right. don't mean one anything. In, one in fourteen million. Yeah. Right. And That's so right. I, I I think it's very, very compelling to me personally that someone would clearly want things to happen in time, but would use a like righteous or correct timeline as an excuse to do it. I think it's a very mm-hmm. interesting thing because it, I think it manipulates our want to believe that there is a set path. So it's well, like, I also, no matter what I want is yeah. a set path. I also want to shout out the scene that happens in this episode uh, between Hunter B-15 and Ravona, because it does establish, at least on that front, too, that maybe while these are opposing sides, they all have the same goal of figuring out what's going on, although for different reasons. Yeah. I'm dubious that Ravona is not fully full of shit in this scene, too. I think that she knows exactly what's going on, honestly. You think so? Yeah. You think yeah, that's really Yeah, maybe not exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's I, I, no I, doubt I, in my mind about that. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Jake. No, I was just going to say, I, I think it's, no, I would say not everything that's going on, because I don't think that that's that interesting. I imagine that there might be some type of moment where she realizes that things aren't exactly the way that they thought she was, they were. Mm-hmm. But I think she is, and I think that this is a credit to Gugu for how she plays it, is that she sounds like, even though she never says anyone's name, that she is protecting someone. Even though yep. uh, Hunter says like, oh, um, you're trying to protect the TVA. Oh, you're not trying to protect the TVA. She's not trying to protect the TVA, but yeah. the way she's acting is she's trying to protect someone else. And That's I think, right. that, yeah. Well, right. whatever, it, whatever it is, she has a vested interest in this reality being believed. That this, whatever lie this is, it's important to her that it remain legit, right? Whereas everybody else, whether it's Mobius or whether it's Hunter, they've all come to accept the fact that they've been lied to mm-hmm. and she doesn't because she's part of the lie yeah and that makes that's something i'm really interested to see how they're going to answer is because we see her in sylvie's past as a regular you know hunter or whatever mm-hmm. and we know that the low level people in the tva are all former variants so is she a variant who was like let in on the secret by someone or did she was she oh like there from the beginning was she like originally all in on it which i think is interesting because I, I think if it's the former which i would take a guess it is i think that that is something i would love to see explored of what happens what happened to her that she was a variant 
but she, not only was she convinced to believe in the TVA, she was convinced that like whatever the bullshit behind the TVA was, was good too. That like, did Kang pull her aside, like take a liking to her and say, hey, Varian, this is all bullshit, but I want you on my side or something like that. Right. Um, well, maybe, maybe it's maybe it's the same thing as Thanos and Gamora. Yeah. I adopted you. I chose you. You're the one. And that, you know, it's got to feel good if you're a random variant and the person who's running all of time in your eyes says that, you know, uh, you're special. You know, it's uh, so not I'm not excusing Ravona. Although but I unlike that, unlike Gamora, she's not trying to kill Kang. So we'll see. Right. No. Yeah, I think that she uh, I, I think that Kang is this is a very low bar, but I imagine Kang is probably a better boyfriend than Thanos is a dad. I'm just going to guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, really not hard to beat at all. On that front. Mm. Um, yeah, actually, well, I mean, since we are going in that route and, uh, well, before we look ahead, are there any final thoughts about what you saw in this episode that you want to address? Two things for me. One, Mm. I still feel like as we've gone, do we have a home run episode of of this series? I still think it was four. Okay. I still think four has been the best episode of the five. Um, Uh, I think either that or two, I like four. Two was up. Two was very good. Those those are the two, and it's like, you know, at some point I was hoping in in episode five that um, that we were going to see Loki in full control, like. Mm. But this is a very searching. It's a very searching series, and it's a very searching character, and. Once again, the the surprise of this show has has really been how much dialogue is trying to carry this story. They're going, they're really using a lot of words to try to tell you what's going on. Mm. Um, so that, in some ways, that can make this to be a little bit of a plotting series, but it may also prepare you for something spectacular in episode six. Yes, and as someone who's what well, not primary, but perhaps primary note through four years of a. Uh, going to school for dramatic writing and TV writing was that I explain stuff through dialogue instead of uh, visuals. I do appreciate, I feel seen. Um, (laughs) uh, But but I think that it is, the thing I think works about it, and I think it can be plotting at times, but I think when it works is they seem to be aware of how dialogue heavy it is and make sure that it's very rare where there's a lot of dialogue that doesn't have something fun or interesting happen in it. That it's, that there's very little exposition that isn't super like engaging and fun character-based. And, you know, like, I think that you, I think- Well, if you just think about like the scene with the Lokis. Exactly. Or I was specifically thinking about where the scene in episode two, where Loki was explaining the apocalypses thing with the salad. Like that is a very dense concept. And it's a very silly way of showing it, but it's also very character revealing. So I think that like they, I think they know, I think they know how dense all the stuff is. And I think Kevin Feige is incredibly aware of the fact that people are like, can you really do multiverse stuff in a mainstream series? This is so complicated. And I think a lot of what Loki as a series, the thing that's I think contributing to the MCU as a whole, whereas the other mm-hmm. ones like updating on characters and plots and stuff like that. I think this is kind of giving like a primer on how this stuff works and it's kind yeah. of using it as a series. And I think that that is a, I don't know how it's going to pay off in other movies, but I feel like I understand generally the multiverse or at least the rules of it much better than if they tried to shoehorn it in like the first five minutes of the documentary. Well, I mean, just look at something like Endgame where they've tried, they tried to do it in so many different scenes of explaining time travel or 
the split of the timeline and things like that. And then mm-hmm. uh, we've mm-hmm. had it in so many different ways in this series that I, I think to Jake's point, uh, I feel like I just have a stronger ground to stand on moving forward. Yeah, agreed. And I also feel too that the, you know, the, what they've also done, and it's a, as I said, it's a really tight balance, really, really interesting to balance is that Loki is not muscle. Yeah. Right. So you have to find other ways to expand on him because as much as we know, he can throw it out, he can fight. We've seen him fight. Um, but we haven't, we haven't really seen him fight since the Avengers, like where he really sort of lets it out where you can see that he's sort of a warrior. Right. Um, he's really not a warrior. He has to do things in other ways. He's a thinker. And I think it also. Or he, if he is a warrior, his choice weapon isn't actually a weapon. It's not an actual weapon. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you have to find other ways to exploit the power of his character because it's not going to be through, you know, it's not going to be through weapons. It's not right. going to be through fists. It's not going to be through violence. So I think they've done a, a good job with that. And also, I think, you know, depending, when you think about the MCU as a whole, when you think about the, the arc, I was watching Iron Man 2008 with my son the other day. And because he just went rabbit hole. I don't know why this weekend was the weekend he went <laughs> rabbit hole, but he went all the way. And you realize that these characters are aging with us. These actors are aging with us. And yep. so if you're Tom Hiddleston, you've had this character in your brain for almost a decade, right? So clearly, I wonder how much input he's had because he's an EP on this. That's what I was right? going to say. I've watched a lot of interviews with him, and he seems um, like was he like he was actually very involved. Which obviously, you know, you're you've done production stuff. EP can it's vary like widely. EP with how much they wide do. But he apparently was like in the writers' rooms for like the for all the story building sessions and stuff like that. And I think that this I feel like is the most effective use of what makes Tom Hiddleston compelling because I find him in he can be smarmy in a lot yep. of, in a lot of stuff, especially I mean when he's himself mostly. And I think that they've really kind of played almost that as a strength yep. instead of a weakness that he can be really kind of annoying. Um, that he's not, and so I think that the fact that you have a guy who has had this character in his bones for a decade in large part behind it really makes it uh, fascinating. Like, yeah, it, it, it does, it does, and it also allows him. And, and I do think that that sort of detective story allows him to show off his brain because Loki is really is supposed to be very, very smart, he's nobody's fool, mm-hmm. right? And so, that's the other piece of it that's supposed to make this, um. And to, to, to give him the range for him to be really compelling. I am interested though, once again, in however this ends, where does this leave Loki? Because the story, by having him be the protagonist or at least the lead of the story, has softened his edges. Completely, yes. And so he's nowhere near as dangerous, the Loki, like the Loki of Avengers was dangerous. He was frightening. He was real. He was a super character. Let's not forget he ripped a dude's eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Now I think that, as I understand it, I'm you know my role in the show is to not know anything about comics, but I know that Loki is sort of a good guy, kind of in some comics these days, um, and so I think they're probably going to leave him there. I'm, which I don't mind particularly. I don't really, I mean, I've watched the Fast and Furious movies, so clearly I'm okay with bad guys <laughs> being good guys. But um, I think that they're probably going to leave him 
But I also think they're probably going to have him kind of on the periphery of the main goings-on because I think that it would be a big deal, especially in like a Thor movie, to reintroduce him to Thor. It's like, holy yeah. shit, you're alive, but you're a version I knew a couple years ago. Right. Like that would be kind they of – They already yeah. did that with Gamora anyway <laughs> at this point. Um, well, Jake, any final thoughts on the current episode yes. before we – Yes. I – and this is – this goes back before, but I really do – I felt it especially strongly when I was watching the scene between Loki and Sylvie with the blanket that mm-hmm. it's – I think if you were to do a Mount Rushmore of unknowns getting cast in Marvel, I would say mm. that it's Tom Holland, uh, Chris Hemsworth, and honestly, I think uh, Sofia DiMartino is on- unbelievable. That I was legitimately shocked that she's 38 years old and no one realized that she has like a star quality before. It's mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of because I, I and I talk about this a lot on the Discord because it's something I'm fascinated by as someone who like really loves movies but like loves mainstream movies more than anything else that there really is a difference between being a good actor and being a good star and it's I think it's yeah. you can find especially yeah. in like with like the British theater you can you throw a stone and you find a good actor you know but like she she carries scenes by herself and just has a, a presence to her that is just like that you just don't find that in a random person who has been dawdling away on six episode British TV shows for the past 10 years. And mm-hmm. I think that they've really just, I really, I, I don't think that obviously she can, you know, run off at the sunset with Loki, but I hope that they don't kill her in the last episode, which I think they might. I mean, I have a specific theory when we talk about theories, what's going to happen, but sure. I think they've really struck gold with this character and this performance. Um, and I, I mean, I, just I, go ahead into theories from there. Okay. So I think I, the way I thought about it is because it's, I think they're going to do basically what the season two of the new Doctor Who does, where, spoiler alert for season two of the new Doctor Who, that I think Sylvie's going to live, but I think through something or another, because there's the multiple universes, she and Loki are going to be stuck in different universes. And okay. they're basically, so Loki can have the loss of losing the first person he really ever loved in that way. Right. And, but also she's not completely dead forever and that she can, they can still have her around. And I think that that's also a way that they can talk about how even if the multiverse exists and you can go through it, there has to be some rules of not being able to go other places. You know what I mean? Because if you could just go to any multiverse ever you want, anytime anyone dies, you find a multiverse and you bring them back. So I think that they can kill two birds with one stone of having Loki have his loss and also being like, oh yes, and the multiverse is not just like a highway with multiple lanes. There are things in between universes. Yep, I agree with that. And I also feel like they might also use this if they need to, to recenter Loki, if that theory holds you create a kingpin Vanessa type of thing where her, yep. his loss of her brings him back to his ruthlessness, allows him to mm. be what he was to, to put those edges back. Um, because we do know that, that this Loki in its current incarnation is not as compelling a Loki when Thor's around. I mean, mm-hmm. he's gotta have an edge to him. He, you know, you, you have to believe that there's something, it's been really interesting. By the time you finish with Endgame, when you think about Loki's arc as a character, from the time you first see him come out of the the, uh, the portal at the beginning of Avengers to meekly being choked and crushed right. to death by Thanos, he's lost all of his potency as a character. Like not as a presence, but as a threat. Yep. And I think it's interesting how, and I think that this could also contribute to him going back to his ruthlessness, that what was it that got him killed was him finally willing to actually sacrifice himself for Thor. That's right. That, 
And I think that I don't think he'll ever go back to being as ruthless as his Avengers. I think he'll probably stay on like the untrustworthy, like somewhere in the gray area for the rest. I don't think he'll ever be just an out and out villain. Mostly because I don't think that Tom Hot, uh, Tom Hiddleston, no doubt signed another contract with Marvel, and I don't think he's doing that just to get the shit kicked out of him for the rest of the time. Right. Um, but I think that it does give him an interesting place where, on the one hand, he's learning how nice it can be to be good. But I think he, the lesson you easily can learn is like, oh, wait, this is why I wasn't good this whole time because good people get stepped on and they have, they get That's choked right. by Thanos. Mm-hmm. Sentiment. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, speaking of sentiment, I just, the one shout out, uh, I, I uncontrollably just started clapping when Mobius and Loki hugged each other. It well, was a I straight up, when he gave, put out his hand, <laughs> I said, like a chump, I'm just like, nah, man, you gotta hug him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You gotta hug. Um, okay. Two-part question for you, uh, for you, Howard. What, because we we really do try to figure this out when it comes to all the series so far, what would the season finale, like, what's nailing the ending for you? And it doesn't have to be in the very, like, what's nailing the ending of this season for you? And it doesn't have to be something specific, but, like, maybe just broadly, like, what closes, what happens in terms of a moment what is that for you and then how the, do you how do you stick the landing yeah how do you how, how are you how do you see a landing stuck in this case well i think that it's a great question because i haven't reached any sort of conclusion about what this series has been mm-hmm. so i don't know what i need to see for it to happen what i i i, I think that the I think that episode five answered a few questions for us about the pruning and about the void and all that. So we know that there is some form of, we don't know what death is yet in this, in this universe or multiverse or whatever thing that we're in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that to me, sticking the landing at least has to answer more questions than it asks. Like, Okay, if you're going to talk about what's you know what's the what's the guard dog guarding, I want to know what the guard dog is guarding. Um, even if that guard dog reveals something that makes us wonder what's going to happen, at least we know what he's guarding. Um, I, I it's important to at least close the loop on the TVA. Yep. Um, unless that's just a straight MacGuffin, and we're not supposed to care, and we're not going to care, and it's a waste of time to care. Um, but I think that they've invested too much in some of those characters. Mobius is, inve- is invested in the TVA in its existence. Hunter is invested in the existence of the TVA. Yeah, um, and we've and we've actually found like that has been the straight issue for a lot of the series so far is that we forget to close the stories for our tertiary characters. Like our that's right. Yeah, and I think Sil- Sylvie has an interest in the existence of the TVA, right? Because yes. supposedly that's who kidnapped her. So, so all of these characters have a vested interest in knowing what this piece of their life was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're, I think instead of just cutting the head off of an Android and going, okay, well, that was it. It was all just a ruse. I don't know if that's going to be good enough for me, but we'll see what they do with it. No, I think that they're going to answer that. I would say mm-hmm. that I'm actually not worried about them not answering that because they explicitly asked the question, what, if these are androids who made them and who that like, them, yeah. I think that that's yeah. kind of, and I think that, yeah, I, I think that you're spot on with just answering the questions that have been asked thus far. Like, I think that there are going to be some people who are probably going to be disappointed because they're not going to like explain everything about the multiverse um, at the end of this. But I think that um, just answer, I think that they, they, I think this is actually has an easier job of sticking and landing than the other two because we don't have so. the expectation of where the characters are going to vaguely be by the well, end of it. I, I think if well, anything, I what you disagree want. with that on the other hand, because I'm, I'm thinking they, 
may not stick a landing if this myth or rumor of a season two is real. We may get mm. left hanging. That is true. Right. I, I guess, but I guess what I mean by that is not feeling because I think that there's a difference. I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll okay. t- kind of to that point, Jake. Yeah. I think it's not to provide them any sort of closure, but just more clarity. I think what's yes. happening right yeah. now for everyone is they don't have the clarity of where they stand. Yeah. And depending on w- whether we have a continuation to this or uh, it stops where it is, like regardless, there is a continuation because the continuation is the MCU. Like, period, that's going to happen. Like, whether it's directly in a series, like that will obviously depend like then affect the secondary characters and the ones that probably won't make it to a larger like film level. But we know like the story doesn't end for sure in the larger scale. But I think what you need to leave everyone at, especially because, you know, this has been a series that really feels like, even though it's not necessarily quantified in terms of screen time, everyone has really been given a lot of consideration. Like all the characters seem to have something that they need to settle in one way or another. And um, it's not, directly plot driven but i think again it's a better understanding of where they stand whether it's within the tva whether it's within this larger universe and then knowing whether we continue this or not that they kind of have just like a direction to go into go on yes and one last thing i need to say about what needs to happen that needs to happen but i think no matter what else happens in it, if I get a shot of Mobius on a jet ski, they stuck the landing. I, that's that's <laughs> really all we need. Right? Then, then we know they stick the landing, right? Um, I think freeze frame, uh, jump in the air, and then oh, fist in the air, and Wonder. we're good. No, in, since it's since he, it's in Florida, he went back for alligator Loki. He's got alligator yes. Loki. Yeah, yeah. On that's a, right. Yes, mm-hmm. it's in uh, Georgia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, um, we we have a hard out, so let's let's close it out right here. Uh, Howard, thank you so much for joining us. No, um, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, actually, one final question. Um, against an Elioth, uh, we know that this battleship stood no chance whatsoever, but what would you say about a Metal Arc pirate ship? How does that do against... <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that is an outstanding call right there. <laughs> um, this pirate ship never dies, man. Okay. It's just getting started. It's just getting no, started. No, I mean, and also, you know, if if Elias coming to us, Stu Gotts is definitely saying, oh, well, big Elias, do it in the playoffs. The void, anyone can eat something in the void. <laughs> in my <laughs> personal gotta, record book, you haven't eaten anyone. Exactly. This this is a this is a, a, a multi-universe here. We've got a metal, we've got a metal lark MCU university crossover. Yes, I mean, hey, as, it's a crossover episode. It's it is uh, it is, and it's it's very nice that it, exactly one person in Metal Arc Media is aware of it going on. But it is, <laughs> but no, it's not uh, anymore. Hey, hell yeah, I do appreciate. Uh, I've man, when I learned you were coming on the pirate trip, I mean, honestly, everyone who's joined the pirate trip, I'm like, I could not have asked for. It's it's like all your favorites, but uh, yes, thank you so much for coming on again. No, um, my pleasure. Yeah, if you want to come on for the finale or anything else, obviously you you know where to find y- us. Y- you know the the Colin. Uh, Signal. Yes, you just need to say, you just need to say, I'm ready. Yes, the bad oh, signal. We, need a, right we there. need a Marvel reference for the bad signal. And yeah. also, I'm I am going to offer something when when the time is right. Mm-hmm. We need the glad we I think we we need the cap montage. I actually I saw you said that about doing a cap montage of speeches, and I looked into it. And unfortunately, the thing about because we have the Patreon that us having it behind the wall is legally very gray because we're technically uh, charging for charging for 
right uh for copyright content like if i just like I, and also if you put it on youtube i'd have to like mirror it because so it didn't copyright take it but yeah i looked into it it's like i it's one of those things where i probably wouldn't get caught but i'm not really looking to jeopardize that let's, let's not do that then let's, let's not, not yeah do that. how about something else because i'm i'm going to find i'm going to offer a um i'm going to offer a gift subscription okay okay to one of who I don't know how to do this. But one of your, you know, loyal listeners. One, one <laughs> of your loyal listeners. I'm Thank going you. to offer a a, a top level, okay, mm-hmm. subscription mm-hmm. of one hundred and twenty dollar value. Um, that's not but how I'm much that need, is, but I'm going to need a glass mm-hmm. montage. Oh, okay. Oh, a montage of all the glass. I can do that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, all I the glass. Get, okay. Yes, all that. That's going to happen. I'll have to get clips and stuff like that, but I'll, uh, I'll make that happen. Gla- glass doesn't even break the skin. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yes. Um, All right. I am out of here, fellas. Yes. I love this. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. Thank you so much. Have a good oh, rest of your night. One last thing. I was on the Amtrak today and I saw a one division t-shirt that must be mine. I'm going to find it and it okay. will be mine. Wonderful. Right. Please post well, it when let, you get we it. We hope the next time you're on this pod, you're wearing it. Oh, that'd be Indeed. wonderful. All right, All right. Have a good night. Later. Take care. Thanks, right. Howard. Bye. And Jake, we'll on to yeah. you. Where can they find you? Uh, you can follow me at the Jake Christie. Listen to my other podcast, No Funk and Strictly Monkin with Andre Pereira. We talk about the US Network original series, Monk. Um, you know, uh, I'd be out here. It's been funny. Look, uh, speaking of Twitter, just I've been tweeting from the MCU account and <laughs> it this doesn't not hurt my feelings, but it really is in stark relief that since AC is not tweeting, is that right. like, well, I myself like my kind of like winking and knowing comedy tweets about the MCU, the mm-hmm. amount of engagement that they don't get in comparison to AC just saying like <laughs> hashtag Kang and posting a comic panel. It's like, I love that we have the audience we do, but it's just like, really? That's, I, I want people, anyway, I, but I miss AC and I can't wait for him to be back next week. Well, where, where is that Twitter account so people can even Oh, it's it. at MC University Pod. Uh, you know, we got, a, it, it's honestly a very schizophrenic mix of what I just described, I tweet and what I just yeah, described. You'll tweets. find the very odd occasion that I'll just say, yes. hey guys, could I tweet this? And then we do. Which is once again, bizarre because you are a third of the podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you can find me at Black Dragon Roll on Twitter and on Instagram. And again, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod. I will say this every single time. Thank you so much to everyone who has oh my God, subscribed, absolutely. supported, been such a fun part of the Discord. Oh, uh, the Discord. Contributed the Discord was to the rankings. great the last couple of days with the because yes. we did the rankings, the top 23 MCU mm-hmm. movies. The Discord has been like on fire. It's really been great. It's been very fun to read through. And again, yes, uh, to any of our Patreon subscribers already, of course, share the news. But of course, this is on the main. If you like this episode, if you like what we do, don't just rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. But you know what? Subscribe to the Patreon, maybe. Yeah, we got. We're going to be doing every Spider-Man outside mm-hmm. the MCU. We did Spider-Man One, Spider-Man Two coming later this month, and then the rest of them until No Way Home. We're doing Mission Impossible movies every like six 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 and we're, weeks. And we're finding that we love this stuff so much that we just keep on throwing content anyway. Yeah, honestly, this has been the most fun I've had podcasting doing the Patreon stuff. It's the best. I love it. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you for the final episode.